Hey, welcome to Modern Details. I'm Nick. And I'm James. We're two industrial designers in the big city. Sweating the small stuff. What is up? Hey, how's it going, everybody? We're not sweating today because we're in the throes of a polar vortex. It is It's pretty chilly outside. Yeah. Uh, what is it, like negative something wind chill? Uh, I think it's, I think in New York, it's closer to just like maybe zero degrees. Single digits. But uh, I really have to, I don't know, shout out our fans in the Midwest. Keep safe. Because it's like minus 60 in some places. That seems so dangerous to even walk outside. Don't go outside. Quit your job. Uh, Burn everything you own. (laughs) Don't quit your job. Don't burn everything you own. (laughs) But definitely stay safe. Um, and stay warm. I'm worried about you. Um, but uh, yeah, how, how's your week been, James? Not too bad. Uh, you know, just chilling. Just chilling. I, you know, speaking of cold, and I didn't tell this story on the podcast, but a couple weeks ago, it was a cold day, and uh, I was on my way to one of the offices that I work at. Uh, I had a coat on. I didn't have any gloves, uh, and I was walking up the staircase i had my hands in my coat pockets and uh you know my very gangly legs <laughs> they gave out from underneath no. me. uh i missed a step and just it happened in slow motion i fell toward the staircase you know toward toward a sheer step you know was and there blood? could not could not Pull my hands out to brace myself, so I took it on my forehead. Luckily, I was wearing a hat, not this hat, not my Go Hobo hat. It probably would have added extra protection because it's quite a sturdy hat. But, right. But uh, I was wearing another hat and just yeah, we just went straight like forehead first into a. But you're okay now, James. Into a step. I'm. Did I'm you okay. Need, did you need stitches? I didn't need anything. Okay. I just needed a helping hand. Luckily, there was a kind New Yorker next to me who just like lifted me up and kept walking. That's nice. Um, but I was, yeah, could have been a lot worse. So well, I'm glad you're okay, James. But it gave me the idea for a trillion dollar company. What's that? Uh, I want a coat with um, Velcro attached <laughs> pockets. <laughs> breakaway pockets yeah breakaway pockets at any moment your hands are free (laughs) imagine well what about pants because i always put my hands in my pants pockets (laughs) i thought you were gonna say rip away pants (laughs) well which i would have said they they already exist but but pockets that rip away from i mean just imagine if you were to fall but you were wearing rip away pants (laughs) (laughs) and you just ripped your pants off as you braced yourself I mean, it'd probably be better than like busting your head open, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I would definitely take pants, pantless and and unscathed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so that's all, that, those are my only updates, really. Um, so I don't know. There could be some brain damage, but it's too. I don't. I'm too weird to tell. <laughs> so um, I don't know. What about you, Nick? Um, yeah, I've been working, working hard. I think uh, the biggest update is I actually got a new studio. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's exciting. That is very exciting. You know, my, my current studio, it was a nice place to start out. And I, you know, it was a good, like, I don't know, experiment to see if, if it was, like, a thing I, I liked. And uh, I do enjoy having a studio. Uh, but the current one I have doesn't, it's not fully enclosed. Like, the right. walls, it, it's private. 
no one can come in there, but the walls don't go to the ceiling. Mm. So, you know, we can't do the podcast in there and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited. This new one is like right next to my house. I can just walk there in five minutes and uh, we're going to set up a little podcast studio. And, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, it should be good. It should be good. That's going to be, that's going to be great. Yeah. So now you don't have to fully enclose your MakerBot. No, I mean, I'll probably keep it enclosed because it's still nice to have it enclosed. Does it, does it aid in the, uh, you know, the problem of peeling? Yeah. So yeah, fully enclosing a 3D printer helps the build quality. Definitely. Um, Yeah. Because the new MakerBot has the fully enclosed printer. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, it helps just kind of retain the heat, keeps it kind of soft and like, you know. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a story about that, but but we'll save it for later. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, should we move on to our design news? Yeah, we have some design news. Um, and I I saw this on my Instagram feed the other day, and you kind of pointed it back out to me again. But uh, I follow this artist slash designer called Sebastian Erazeres, uh, and that is at Sebastian Studio on Instagram. Um, I'm actually a big fan of Sebastian's work. He does a lot of conceptual, like furniture pieces uh, and, and art in general. Um, and he posted this image the other day mm-hmm. of of his bookshelf, and it was an image of his bookshelf next to another designer's bookshelf, a pretty well known designer that you are familiar with. Um, and he was like calling out the designer, saying that that designer had copied him yeah so this is an italian designer fabio november and we actually Which, brought him up in another podcast and correct me if i'm wrong is i would argue that fabio november is more uh more famous than sebastian sure he's, he's he's better established right um yeah i i first first came became aware of fabio when he did a lot of um it was for some architecture magazine and and I'll have to edit in the name of it when I think of it. But uh, he would interview other industrial designers. Like he interviewed Marcel Vonders or Ito, Konstantin oh, wow. Gerchik. Okay. Like he is not only like a seasoned designer, but also very well connected and like you know, well-regarded within the community of designers. He interviewed these people as an article or like a No, a like a, as a video. That's cool. Yeah, and there's one of Ross Lovegrove, like, you know, just a, a ton of big names he sits down with and they're very friendly with each other. It's right. like, we're friends and now I'm interviewing you. Right. Um, so it was interesting to me because I, I enjoy both of their you know, both of their work. They're both highly regarded as great artists and designers. Yeah. And you know, when I saw Sebastian's post, I, I got a little annoyed. Yeah. To be honest. And and first of all, let's explain what these things are. Yeah. So Sebastian Arazer has designed this bookshelf and it's a statue, uh, like old Greek statue. Yeah. Greek or Roman statue. Uh, And surrounded by, this wooden scaffolding yeah and it's kind of like a miniature if if i this is what i like to think of like when they were building the statue of liberty i'm sure that you know you had the statue in the center and then all this scaffolding around it and sebastian has just like miniaturized it and made it 
a Greek statue instead of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. But, you know, he has books up there and, you know, it's a shelf. It's yeah. It's like a kind of an art piece and shelf. Right. And yeah. then And then Fabio's. Explain that one, James. Fabio's is more of a traditional bookshelf. Kind and, like your classic Ikea bookshelf. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, maybe a bit <laughs> a bit nicer than that. <laughs> a bit more high-end. But, but uh, there's a statue in kind of in the middle of of the the shelving almost like it's being sliced right um and so you know sebastian's uh instagram post reads uh gets copied three years later by a known italian designer what a clown used to follow me on instagram have texts and emails from when he wanted to come see my new works and it's like you know i sat there and looked at the two images and i was like okay Okay, <clears throat> there are statues involved. Yes. There's shelving involved. Yes. That, those are the only similarities between the two of them. Correct. And to me, I, you know, from sort of understanding a bit of Fabio's work, I can't say that I understand his philosophy completely, but he's very interested in like the human form and like he has these chairs that are essentially like panton chairs, but in, but instead of just the smooth mm. plastic surface, it's like there are bodies imprinted into them. Yeah, we, we talked about that in one of the podcasts. Before. And, um, you know, he also seems pretty concerned with like sexuality and modesty and all of these things. And if you look at his shelf, the places where the shelving is is dissecting the statue seem very intentional. One, you know, one is at the eyes of the woman, and she's the statue itself is like a woman being sort of like trying to modestly cover up herself, right? And and so there's one kind of at nipple level, there's one at crotch level, crotch level, <laughs> um, and there's one at her knees, and and. Whereas Sebastian's just feels like he took a Goliath statue with, you know, that had all this scaffolding around it and miniaturized it right. to the point where it could be functional as a shelf. Yeah. And so I see like the train the train of thought going into these pieces as very different. Right. Like they're being approached in very different ways. For sure. Yeah, I, I can see that conceptually they are very far apart i think visually you know you could draw some similarities but i also think that for someone to call like for you know sebastian's a well-known designer like for him to call out another well-known designer i think it was a little bit out of bounds and don't get, get me wrong i love sebastian's work yeah but it you are right i feel like it was a, a step too far out of bounds um and we've talked about copying on the podcast a lot and um you know, my my thing is design is all about building off of past inspiration. And if you see something that's similar to your design, like it's it's not that they copied your design or it's not like they stole your design. It's just they're evolving and they might have been inspired or they might not have been from your right. design. And also there's the whole concept of designers in parallel past, which happens a lot freak, freak, more frequently than you would think. Right designing the exact same like look and feel of an object yeah and not even knowing about it until both of them release it at the exact same time yeah and and you find a lot in fabio's work this like sort of reference to the past like he has this tray that looks like sort of a i i think 
I'm stating this correctly, like sort of sort of like an Italian piazza, like a square, like okay. in the middle of a of a, of a like set a, of buildings. Is it like a mini? If it's a tray, is it yeah. like a miniature town square? Exactly. So it's, you know, I, I think that it's not out of step for him to do something like this. And I could see how Sebastian's like, oh, this guy was so interested in my work and now he... Now he's using a statue and shelving and right. I, I don't know, but it was interesting. I was kind of interested to see if Fabio would respond. And he did. And he did. And he said, design paranoids in all caps. <laughs> Dear Sebastian Studio, I appreciate your work. And I even thought we were friendly. Of course I was wrong. You have been deliberately offensive and your comments shameful. My career speaks for itself. And my blog, Oinoi, dot it has explored this topic since you were a kid in school oh my god uh, i hope your paranoia will not affect the quality of your work to be a good designer you need to be a good person savage yeah savage. <laughs> and it is interesting because i knew this about this is another thing that's that sort of like sparked my interest in this whole debate was i was aware of this blog that fabio has as well as an instagram it's I, I don't know how quite it's it's uh, pronounced, but it's I-O-N-O-I underscore by Fabio November. And what he does is he takes images of two different designed objects from different times, from different time periods, or, or even just like slightly different time periods, and shows how there's sort of this parallel thought mm, um, yeah. and links between works. I mean... I can see, like, scroll up, mm -hmm. click on the, this one. The one with the Mark Newson. Yeah, so you have, the, like, the Mark Newson. Is that the Lockheed Lounge chair? Uh, I think it's a complimentary chest or, um, yeah, chest of drawers. Okay. Um, ne next to, like, drawer. a Victorian chest of drawers that looks pretty much the exact same form, mm -hmm. but just a different material. Right. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. There's even a... Um, a piece here that is one of Fabio's pieces from 2007. And then there's a piece by Karim Rashid in 2008. And they're, they have, they're quite similar. Yeah. It's like a coffee table, but it's like, uh, if you thought of a coffee table as like a ribbon and kind of like threw the ribbon on the ground, on yeah. the ground and it kind of curled up into a coffee table. Yeah. That's what they both look like. So there's definitely, there's this thing in design and I don't, I don't think it's malicious unless it is a blatant 100% ripoff. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think you start getting into the bad territory when you essentially are a copy machine right like yeah if you can put a piece of paper in a copy machine and it comes out exactly the same right that's a copy like right literally right yeah um i i actually think and i think we've mentioned this before but i think the rule is 80 percent mm -hmm. you're allowed to be 80 percent similar yeah and it's it's pretty uh pretty lenient i mean what is what is 20 percent difference right i mean it could be in in sebastian's case i could see that being at least 50%, maybe even 60% different than Fabio's. Yeah. Other people could argue that it's 10% different or, or whatnot. But Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is to, to the normal person seeing these two pieces, they probably would say they're, they're very similar. Yeah. Um, but 
Yeah, I just think that there's different philosophies and different approaches that are going into these pieces. Yeah. And I also think that for Sebastian, when you go out and accuse somebody of copying, you are you're kind of opening yourself up for criticism yourself. It's kind of like a it's kind of like isn't there like a game where Oh, like on Scrabble, if you challenge someone in Scrabble and telling them their word is incorrect and they look it up in the dictionary and actually it's a real word, then you get points deducted. Isn't that a thing? Oh, yeah. It kind of feels like that. Yeah. Because I I just, you know, who knows? Like he could, Sebastian as well, could have unwittingly copied somebody's work. I mean, we're all inundated with everybody's work all the time now that you could... You know, you could just be scrolling through on your phone and see something and, and it, not it, even realize it, not even realize it. Mm-hmm. It's also um, conscious. Yeah. So it, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know if this will go any further, but no, we're, we're probably the only news talking about it. <laughs> and that's why we're the best. news. That's source, right. Because we're on the beat. This is the, our first design original news. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But uh, James, you made me watch Marie Kondo. <laughs> Transition. Segway. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys have heard or seen this new series on Netflix. I'm not a big Netflix user, so everyone, no, well, the, the whole culture thing. Just... There's there's nothing on Netflix. <laughs> Net- Nick. Oh, you, has you should you should you should be watching Netflix. Oh, I was using the wrong one. That's the reason. <laughs> Netflix um, sounds like a series of really painful videos. <laughs> Um, well, there is the Tidying Up by Marie Kondo Netflix yeah. series, which came out, and it's and James made me watch it because I don't know you've been cleaning up your house or something. I it's don't know. the reason I made you watch it, Nick, is because I don't want you to always be living under the cultural rock. You need to you need to know that this is not just a show; it is a phenomenon. Uh, well, you also watched the Fire documentary, and uh, yeah, I just I think. I like to get my culture from you, James. You watch it and tell me about it in the five minutes and I'll get Fair there. enough. Um, but I I encourage you to watch it not only because it's a cultural phenomenon, but also because I think that there's an interesting conversation to be had about tidying up, about hoarder, you know, like people who hoard their goods. Yeah. Um, and what that's all about, but what? But first of all, what did you think? <laughs> well, well, to be honest, I've actually read the book. I know that's crazy because I'm not a big book reader, but I have read Marie Kondo's tidying up book. Um, when I moved to New York, I just like I got to get rid of all this stuff. I got to move, oh. so I was tidying up in Texas. Um, and yeah, I thought it was a fine book. I think there was a lot of praise around the book, right? I. Did you use the philosophy of spark joy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, for those of you who aren't familiar with Marie Kondo, she is a Japanese, I guess, tidying up person. She's a she's organizer, a organizing guru, I guess. Organizing guru that wrote a book about cleaning your life and getting rid of a lot of things. And kind of the the thesis of the whole book is you pick up an object and you ask yourself, does this bring you joy? Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, you get rid of it. Yeah. Um, it's pretty It's pretty simple. Yeah. I. Um, one of the things that I... So my feeling about the show is 
The show in general, I thought was just okay. And there wasn't, there weren't a lot of, I thought there were going to be more organizational tips. Okay, well. For- and and what Marie Kondo does is, this, I'm, okay, I'm an HGTV boy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so let me preface this with that. So I'm used to like dramatic transformations, you know, but what Marie Kondo does, she comes, she comes by, Did you she w- piles all the clothes on the person's bed and then leaves. <laughs> you wanted Marie Kondo to be like, move that bus. <laughs> I wanted, From yeah. Home, home, home Are you ready to see your fixer upper? Like I wanted, I wanted like dramatic transformations. I wanted, I like, like new, you know, just like new stuff like organizing their lives and well okay yeah so just to be clear if you haven't seen the tv show itself it's definitely like a reality kind of vibe right um she shows up at their door right and they and then there are these two hoarders or whoever many i watched this i watched a couple that had like two full rooms of christmas decorations yeah did you see that one? Oh yeah uh who has that much it's just yeah it's one of those shows that it's almost like pleasure shows i guess yeah i don't know i i did i definitely didn't enjoy it but i watched it for you james thank you but i i feel like there are as product designers there's 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 something there that's really interesting which is you know last the last time we had a big topic it was sort of around global design but we started talking about things that are meaningful Mm. and you brought up this idea that an object itself doesn't have to be meaningful at the onset, but given time, it will start to take on a quality of meaning. Right. And for these people in this show, every single thing they've ever touched had meaning to them. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is intense. And I know, like, for myself, trying to go through, and here's the thing about Marie Kondo's show, is regardless of the quality of the show which i think was it was okay i it did it did make a lot of people go and start cleaning like i immediately after watching a couple episodes went and cleaned my closet yeah and one of the things that i really liked was that if you were to throw something out or you know put it in a pile to take it to goodwill the the idea was to thank the item for all that it had done for you. Oh, that's right. Before throwing it away, mm-hmm. which I think is was a pretty useful mindset because because sometimes I do get like sentimental or or feel bad about throwing something out, right? Um, or giving it away, and I like that idea of thanking thanking the object. And then being okay with, you know, you've thanked it, you can now give it away. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think it's just, it's an interesting, it's an interesting phenomenon because we do collect so many things over the course of our life and what, what is truly worth bringing, bringing along. And then, yeah, like how do you organize those things within your life to to make it so that you're not overwhelmed and well i i'll say this i uh so i think this you know i I moved i i I read the book in texas the book was fine you know clean all my stuff moved to new york and then i guess i want to say last year 
I dove down this uh, YouTube spiral hole of minimalism videos. Oh. And this these videos are about living a minimal lifestyle. Um, there was a documentary, I think, called Minimalism. I don't know if you've seen it or not. Um, but, you know, it's just like... Talk. I have not. It, it. I think it was good. And it was just, it just like, follow, the the, the, doc, the documentary just follows two guys around the uh, U.S., I think, and they just talk about how they only have, like, a bag of clothes. <laughs> it's it's pretty extreme. But, yeah. um, you know, there's this whole idea behind minimalism and cleaning up your stuff that it's, you know, it's it's not necessarily that you need to get rid of everything in your home, right? It's not like you live with a bed and that's it. Mm-hmm. Although I do know some designers that have just a bed. Is that for, I mean... I'm getting there. I'm getting there close, but I still have a few things around. Yeah, but uh, for the designers who only have a bed, is that because they can't afford anything else? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That's that's different than minimalism. <laughs> it's called being broke. <laughs> that's called forced minimalism. Um, well, okay. Yes, but I'm joking. Um, the... Uh, the one thing that's interesting is that it's more about intentionalism, like being mm. being in, very intentional with what you buy, what you use, what you purchase, you know, what you have in your house. Um, and I, I've definitely, since watching a lot of those YouTube videos, have started to find myself being very, very selective on what I purchase mm-hmm. and, and what I add to my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely always... Uh, analyzing what I already have and trying to uh, efficiently get rid of things and streamline my life. Mm-hmm. And how have you found that it's well? Oh, I, okay. Oh, well, case in point. So here's another. Here's another thing. And I and uh, on my, th- I watched this one YouTube video where it was talking about your home screen on your phone and how there's a ton of apps on here and you just should get rid of them all. Well. Check out my home screen of my phone. <gasps> for for those of you at home, it is completely black screen. And then I have an iPhone. So at the bottom, you have the four home apps. Mm-hmm. And so I put my message app, my Instagram, and my mail. And then another app that is a folder. And mm-hmm. that folder has all of my other apps. Mm. So essentially, I only have four apps on my, my screen. And they're all at the bottom. And if what, I are, need it, what are the other dots? Well, those are just apps I downloaded and I forgot to organize yet. James, oh, don't fatigue me. <laughs> come on. Um, but it is life-changing, I feel. Uh, How have you found that it is? I think it's a, it's all about having a clear mind. Mm. It's it. There's so much noise in our day-to-day life. Yeah. Going to work, you know, people about running, getting errands or running errands, <laughs> getting, 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 getting running errands you know, and doing your laundry. All, all these things have, I don't know. I feel like they take a little, like tiny little percentage of your brain power. Right? Yeah. And so just eliminating any distraction and any kind of extraneous thing in your life can really help alleviate some of that some of that brain power. Right. And that you can utilize for other things. Yeah. That, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. No, I think that makes good sense. I think that, like, the only thing that I would, I guess, have against minimalism is... I, when I think of minimalism, I think of... 
I don't know, like a Muji ad or something like that, mm. where they're like there's very little decoration on the wall. There's like a lack of color. There's, you know, everything is just like in its right place and almost in a sterile way. Yeah. And uh, does my room feel sterile to you, James? No, no. I mean, it's not very tidy. I think, I think uh, you could tidy up a little bit. Okay. I think you need to watch more Marie Kondo, but um, actually Nick, could you bring your phone out again? Yeah. Now, I just want to point something out here. Now, look at that. Okay, James is pointing to the Instagram app. Right there. Yeah. We're, that's some clutter in your life. Instagram? So, that that brings me to some updates about myself. Yes. Um, because uh, Myron, the industrial design vlogger, uh, he did a video about... Uh, Oh, what was it? Oh, right. So you, you, so I, I watched this as well. Myron did a YouTube video about, I guess, deleting Instagram. Yes. How I broke my phone addiction, the distraction free phone. And, um, there was a series of things that happened, uh, at, you know, after he launched this video to me. Are we, are we getting into phone addiction? Cause this is a problem for me. So, so here's, here's what happened. He posts the video. I watch the video. I watch all of Myron's videos. I'm I'm interested in what he's doing. I think he's an interesting kid. I'm I'm very interested in his ambition and his sort of um what's the what's the correct term for this? Like Perseverance? Uh, his his unconventional path. Tenacity? Yeah. Well he, he the unconventional path. Got it. And okay. the tenacity. Yep. All of that. Um but uh so He's talking in the video about having a conversation with somebody and pulling out his phone and then like, you know, looking at nothing very interesting. Like, it's not like he was looking at anything interesting. It was just a, a habit. And as he's saying, not looking at anything interesting, one of my renderings <laughs> goes by and... And he doesn't even like it James, in the are video. Are you feeling hurt, man? I'm oh, sorry. Oh, man, I was ticked off. So I'm I'm like kind of like, man, why did he you know like he didn't do it on purpose. He James. didn't do it on purpose. It just happened to be it's what was on his phone when he was filming. But then as I'm like kind trying to concoct a response to what's just happened, um, he posts on Instagram and challenges me and you and Sam does design to delete their social media apps. I did not. And at first I was like, <laughs> what the flip? I was like, this YouTuber thinks he can come into Instagram and boss us around. I was peed. And and so, you know, I posted a response. I was like, it it was it was not even a night before the night before <laughs> that I am on a rant right now, Nick. God, don't interrupt me. The night before, we were talking about how much time we spent on Instagram. It was me, oh, you, did. and Reed, and my wife, Allison. And we were looking at our stats. Because mm. you can look at your stats. And <laughs> mine was 34 minutes a day on average. And Do you want me to disclose mine? Nick, <laughs> go ahead. I think it's like two and a half hours. Maybe three. Maybe three. 
Um, so I was like, delete Instagram. I don't have an addiction. Um, but the thing is, as I thought more and more about it, I was like, well, actually, the other thing that happened was Sam does design posted. I, I was like, there was a difference here for Myron deleting all of his social apps. He can still use YouTube from his desktop, but I, we can't post to Instagram from our laptop. But then I forgot that you can post to Instagram from your iPad <laughs> uh, until Sam does design posted about it. So what I ended up doing was today... I deleted Instagram. I deleted all of the social apps off of my phone. What? Are, I, are you coming back? I, to be determined. James, I miss you already, man. I'm on, I'm still on the iPad. I think I'll try okay. and I'll think I'll look like once or twice a day. I got it. So you deleted it specifically on your phone and you can still, it's not like against the rules to yeah. look at your iPad. Okay. But here, but here's the other part of it. And uh, Nick, you aren't included in this, but... There is, there's another part about Instagram, which is, you know, I was only on for 34 minutes a day. And that part of that is because I haven't been posting very much. But another part of that is I just generally have been disinterested with the content on Instagram recently. Hmm, that's interesting. And I, so I open it up and I'm like, sketch, render. Okay. I've seen it. I've seen it all. Like huh. I, I, I just can kind of predict what I'm going to see. And there's nothing surprising about it anymore. There's nothing like... Do you scroll through every single photo, though? <sighs> Nick, <laughs> now, if you don't know this about Nick and you're offended that he doesn't follow you, here's... yeah, here, Take it okay. away, Nick. <laughs> well, as you guys know, I have a Instagram addiction. Um, the first step is admitting it. <laughs> Hi, Nick. I actually I actually will say, after we chatted that one night, I did set up my uh, screen time app so that it cuts me off. Okay. But I also, because I had it on for a while where it says like, oh, you've spent two hours, you know, snooze for 15 minutes. And I always click the snooze button. Mm -hmm. So then I keep scrolling. I set it up this time so that there is no snooze button. It will shut off my apps. Yeah. And I have to go into the settings to change it. Uh and hopefully I won't do that. Hopefully that's enough abrasion to stop me from that. And if that if I do reach a level where I'm going to the settings app every single time and changing oh, and changing no. the rule, then I'll have to have someone, maybe you, a trusted friend, to enter to create <laughs> a pin code for my phone. Oh no. <laughs> All right. Uh yes. If I, I actually have a few friends, actually quite a few, that I don't follow on Instagram. And it's not because I don't love you guys. You guys are amazing friends. And the problem is is that like I said, I'm addicted, so I'm trying to like very, very carefully streamline my content that I consume. And the reason is because I see every single photo that everyone's posted until the last time I checked Instagram. Mm -hmm. So if I haven't checked it all day, I'll sit at home for 30 minutes and scroll to the very last photo I saw yesterday. Yeah. Until it says like, you're all cut up. Yeah. Which some of you have never seen. There's a there's a thing that says you're all cut up when you He reaches the bottom. Yeah, he reaches the bottom. He he essentially he's he is a flat earther uh, reaching the ice wall. I guess so if you want to <laughs> I am going to I am going to say it like that. Um but I will I will say that today after deleting uh Instagram from How do you my feel? Phone, How do you feel? I mean, today there was a lot of like 
the like the muscle memory of like going mm. to 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 open up right. the app was still there. So I think it is going to take some time to break away from it. Did you like my photo at least first or no? No. Oh, dang it. No, I didn't. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm still going to check it. I think I'm going to check twice a day. But I just, I don't really have anything to share at the moment. And I'm, I just kind of don't want the image overload. I feel like I have... There's way too much image overload in my life between Pinterest and Lemonouche and Instagram. It's It becomes one of those things where I start to feel like I really have to, I don't know, try to intentionally block all of that stuff out of my view and out of my right. mind to do something original. Yeah. I, I personally... I've never been a huge person to do the Pinterest thing and the Lamanouche thing. Um, I only, I barely use my Pinterest. I usually occasionally if, if I need to like do some, some inspiration boards and things like that. But um, I, I think that's a good plan, James. Like there, there is definitely value in putting, getting rid of all of this noise. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm too scared to do it. Here's the thing is like I could have this, you know, this feeling right now and then be back on Instagram next week or or tomorrow. Who knows? But I think I'm going to try it out for a little bit. How how long? A week? Tomorrow? Uh, Are you going to give yourself I, a date? I think I'll give. I kind of want to follow up now. I want. I think I'm going to do a month. A month? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm still going to be <laughs> again. <laughs> Again, okay. I'm so bad. Breathe, Nick. Breathe. <laughs> breathe. Um, I think you know. Again, the iPad. I'm not completely disconnected. Okay. And I can check Instagram from my computer, but I just, uh, I don't know. I just want to like get off of there, and I just want to focus on things that I actually want to focus on because I tend to get in this. I tend to get in the cycle of like, uh, like what what should I do for Instagram next? Yeah, that's and, a yeah. I, I, I find myself there too as well. Yeah, and I don't. I want to break out of that, and I just want to do work that I'm legitimately interested in investigating, and that I don't have to be constantly worrying about documenting for likes. Yeah, I don't know. So, amen. <laughs> that was good should we get to some questions yes we should get to some questions um well if you guys aren't if, if you haven't listened to like the past three episodes we have a voicemail we google, have a voicemail google voicemail call us up don't, we won't answer we won't answer don't be scared yeah it'll go to voicemail and you can leave us a message you can say hey we love the show hey we hate the show or <laughs> hey we have a question and this person left a hey i have a question Oh, they're anonymous, so we'll just uh, give it a play and then. Hi guys, I was wondering if you could help me with the dilemma I'm facing right now. I am a senior, I'm going to be graduating in June, but I'm not going to be taking classes next term from April until June. And I'm trying to decide whether I should take that time just to focus on building my design portfolio and looking for industrial design jobs or go find. Uh, some kind of job not related to industrial design to uh, save up the nest egg so that 
when I find the full-time position, I can go travel to interview and have some money to relocate. If you guys have any thoughts, uh, that would be great. Thanks. Awesome. Okay, so essentially, this person has a period of time where they're they're not really in school, mm-hmm. going to be graduating in June, but they're not taking classes uh, the entire spring semester. So they're trying to decide on what's the best use of their time. Should they go and get kind of a, a paying job, Joe Schmo job to get um, some money to save up, pay off those loans, mm-hmm. get ready to relocate? Or uh, should they be investing time in their portfolio? Both. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they're mutually exclusive for sure. Yeah, I mean, unless you're working the old twenty-four hour shift, uh, I think um, you know this is one of those things. Is and I struggle with this as well. Is is sometimes I feel like if I don't have carved out dedicated time for something, I can't achieve it. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I I definitely used to have that feeling. Especially with the portfolio, because the portfolio is something that you can just mull over for, oh my gosh, for the rest of your life. Yeah. Portfolio is never finished. No. Um, Until you die. And I don't know. I, I think I think you probably have the better advice for portfolio building than I do, Nick. What is my advice? I, I oh. don't know. That's what I'm curious about. <laughs> okay. I thought you, you said it in a way of like, I know what your advice is. I think your advice is better. Uh, no, I think, um, yeah, I, I would say certainly you should work on the portfolio. And, you know, it there is this kind of weird stage that everyone goes through of like, they're working on their portfolio. They have a few solid projects and they want to start applying to jobs. But then there's always that thing in the back of their head like, oh, but the portfolio is not really finished yet. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's finished enough to send out, but it's not like finished, good finished, right? Mm-hmm. And what I had to say that is it's, it's okay, I think, to send out your portfolio if it's kind of unfinished. It, not, not unfinished in the way that it's like there's typos and things, but, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, I have that one project from my one class that I haven't really prepared yet for my portfolio. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wait till I finish preparing that project in order to send out my portfolio and the problem is that they're not gonna they're not gonna (laughs) they're not gonna finish it yeah um so just apply i would say just apply 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 it's a numbers game honestly yeah this is the thing that that i well i get i'm already getting passionate about it as you can tell i (laughs) (laughs) i think you should just really just shock and approach like be open to any place in the world to go get a job you know, be open to any company in the world. I know there's the that that one corporation that's like really bland, and you don't want to work for them, and they all they make is toilet brush holders, and you just don't want to do a toilet brush holder. But guess what? That is still industrial design. Yeah. And someone needs to design an amazing toilet brush holder. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Wasn't Johnny Ives' first job designing toilets or something? Have I, I said that on the podcast before? I don't know. I think Johnny Ives was working at tangerine but i don't know if that was his first job Mm. tangerine studio in in england i believe okay yeah i mean i think that there's i think it's definitely wise to get a job to save up because yeah you might have to do some traveling and if you don't have the money to travel then 
Yeah, do what you can. I yeah, and and every company's different. I will say that if the if you're applying to anywhere in the country or the world, a lot of times if you are good enough and and the company is not located in like New York City or San Francisco, if it's located in somewhere remote, they will usually pay to fly you out. Right. Um, New York's a little bit of an exception because it's just so saturated and, you know, if you don't want to come for an interview, there's plenty of other designers yeah. around that will. Um, but, but yeah. Yeah. Here's an out-of-the-box solution. Okay. I'm ready or for outside it. of the box. I'm ready for it. Uh, find the place that you want to live okay. that has industrial design work that you're interested in. Okay. And find a job there so that you can live and work in that place while also being within range to go and go on interviews and things like that so you're saying find the coffee shop job in new york so that you can i disagree (laughs) (laughs) i don't like that plan is it even possible i don't like that plan why not i would much rather you guys find a coffee shop in your hometown, mm-hmm. you know, live with your parents, save up money, pay off your loans, do it Fair that enough. way. Fair be- enough. Before you go up to New York and spend a ton of money. Yeah, but I think if you're worried about being able to do the to work the job and also build a portfolio, then like break out your portfolio into manageable chunks. Yeah, there. First of all, that is not a worry. You shouldn't worry about that. If you're worrying about that, that means you're lazy or something, right? Yeah. If I you, mean, you can work an eight-hour job and put at least three hours a night on your portfolio. You could do, you could do a page a night, a spread a night, right? You know, you just break it up, make it manageable. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I definitely had the struggle when I was in school to put together my portfolio, and it like took me way too long. And then looking back on it, I I made terrible portfolios. That's the thing is people spend all this time on portfolios. And then, you know, six months later, it sucks because your designs have improved so much more. Step one, drop in sketches. Step two, drop in models. Step three, drop in render. Step four, print and send. Guys, no. (laughs) Also, also, can we? I've been thinking about this for a while now. I know we're going on a little tangent here, but give me a chance. Give Nick me a chance. Gets, Nick's get, gets fired up about portfolios. <laughs> Can we just get rid of PDF portfolios altogether? Can we just all use Behance or Squarespace mm. or Coreflot? Because PDF portfolios make me so angry because all all students do with PDF portfolios is they, you know, they're like sitting and their professor has told them to make a PDF portfolio so they can send out to the, these employers and... They're like, yeah, I made a PDF portfolio. Oh, crap. There's this thing called Behance. Well, let me just upload my PDF to Behance or mm. upload my PDF to to Squarespace. Right. Yeah, that is the thing. And unless you're like a graphic design wizard and can make it work in both formats. But the the yeah, the other thing that's weird about digital PDF portfolios is that oftentimes, I mean, I remember designing spreads in portfolios and it's like you get that you get that digital one and like you're not looking at things in a spread format it's and and if you do spread. it's like it's you so know tiny. it's so tiny it's like watching a a cinematic movie with the black bars on it makes on like me an so airplane it make, oh gosh yeah it's uh um, anyways okay that's all i had to say but yeah. should we get to the next question 
Let's get to the next question. All right. We have a question that came in from the email. Oh, also, if you wanted to send in a voicemail, the number is 1-646-494-4011. And uh, we also have an email called minordetailspodcast at gmail.com, which you can send your questions to. And this one comes from Ran Abe. And they say, hey, Nick and James, hope you two could help me out. I graduated eight or nine years ago in product design from a university. And when I tried to get into the university, it was difficult because of the recession. I interned at a few studios but never gained employment due to the financial climate. So I ended up falling into packaging slash graphic design. For a while, I've been feeling unhappy and was looking to get back into product design slash industrial design. Do you have any tips on how to get back into the industry or do you know of anyone that has made that jump? Yeah, we've gotten similar questions before, and I'm trying to think if I know anybody who has made that jump. I think the unique thing here with this question is that they graduated with industrial design, but all their experience has been pro- uh, packaging slash graphic. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's there's been times where it's like, oh, I was I was working in industrial design, and then I got this graphic design job, or you know, such and such. Um, this one's interesting because it's like they've been almost a decade doing graphics slash packaging. Right. And how do you transition from that into industrial design? Okay. Well, so our, our sort of typical answer to this would be start doing side projects or, right. or whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to do another out of the box. Okay. Outside I, the box. I have another out of the box one too, but I want to hear yours first. Okay. My, my thought is I know a lot of firms in New York city, especially where they do a lot of beauty packaging. Mm. So it's like, yeah, they do packaging design in sort of the cardboard sense, but they also do physical product in terms of the bottles. If you could get into a place that has packaging and industrial design under the same roof, then you can start to make inroads into yeah. You know, that other that other side of things. Okay, that's what I was going to say as well. Oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, because, you know, I think about, like you are saying, the beauty industry has beautiful, like, designed perfume bottles or, yeah. or lipstick things, which are hard products. Like, they're injection molded, and, and some of them are glass and things like that. And if you can slowly work your way up there and say, oh, hey, you know, I could do the packaging. And then also, I have some ideas for the, the actual bottle itself. Yeah. Um, and you can, I don't know, kind of transition that way. Yeah. I think that would work out. You and know. then, and then of course, you know, like James, you said, just start doing your side projects. Right. Hone, hone those product skills. But I mean, if you can, if you can find a firm like that, maybe, maybe you don't need to, you know, maybe you could make that transition, but I, I think, if I think you, it's like how fast you want to transition. Yeah. And, and also if you, if you haven't been sort of exercising the uh the id muscle you know like maybe maybe you need to get back into sketching or right or whatever then then that's definitely a step that you need to take like i don't know if you've touched cad in a while uh, you know start start yeah. experimenting yeah. start working on that yeah if you don't know the hard skills that's a, a big step as well yeah gotta learn gotta learn 3d modeling right uh, I think we have time for one more question, Nick. All right, you want to read it? Yeah, this comes from, and please excuse <laughs> my pronunciation, Gojun. I was going to say Gowajun. 
G O U J O N. I'm sure I, I think um, you're actually more right than I was. <laughs> my question is for you and James. Well, thank you. Uh, to discuss how you and James dealt with social life during college and then during the transition into industry. Is there anything you would advise on GF or no GF? Haha. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I had no GF, but that was not for lack of trying. <laughs> James. Oh. Break, break out the violin, Nick. Um, uh, that's, an inter- that's a fun question. I like this question. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I think, Jen, well, well I, I definitely had a GF. I had two girlfriends in college. Whoa, at the same time? <laughs> no, no, Gosh, they were separate. Wow. No. That's um, multitasking. It, I think you can, uh, anonymous uh, voicemail guy, I think you can get your portfolio together and have a job and two girlfriends, okay? Okay, okay. I, 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 I <laughs> you've <laughs> flustered me up now. I can't talk. Um, yeah, I, I definitely felt like I had a, a solid social life in, in college. I think the social life was very in tandem with the studio life right like you're hanging out with all your friends working in the studio building models hanging you know sketching having fun um so i don't think you have to like compromise on that mm-hmm. um i think the the significant other part of the equation is something that you kind of have to take take as it comes i i'm not gonna like recommend that like you go out and get a girlfriend during college yeah i think it or just that kinda, you break up with your girlfriend exactly i, th- I think it's just something that it happens on its own and yeah. you just you know just g- go with what your heart feels I'd right say. <laughs> so, so sentimental <laughs> I, it seems we right, will right. be uh selling uh <laughs> gift cards soon with some of those nick baker sentimental uh you know notions yeah yeah um, uh but um yeah i think uh well here's here's the thought is like eventually if you're gonna have a girlfriend or a wife when you know you start working then maybe it's time like if it happens then maybe it is time to figure out how to balance work and life oh that's good you know? it's like practice this is yeah absolutely uh i wouldn't ever section things off and say like i just need to focus on design right now i mean we all know those those people that spent all their time in studio and and it's like you just got to get out there. You got to experience life. Yeah. Because like life will, you know, funnel itself back into your work. Like right. get out there, see the world, like it's just going to make your work better. And yeah, drink with your with your, you know, your classmates but don't drink and use a table saw yes that's bad no do not do that um and then the other part of this one which i feel like i have a little bit more uh say in this 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 area is the transition after school Hmm. was there any transition for you after school because there were definitely was for me in what way well and i think maybe this is where where i had the unique view on this is that you know, my my goal was to just get an industrial design job anywhere, and I moved to Texas, and there really wasn't the design culture in Texas. Right. So going from this studio 
environment where I was for four years of like hanging out, designing all the time, being with all these cool designers, and then going to Texas where it's like, hey, uh, designers, where are you? <laughs> I go, I go, I go. Uh, it was a little bit, I don't know. I, I definitely missed it. And I think that was a big reason that I moved to New York was because yeah. I, I missed that social aspect of design and, and kind of that, that lifestyle. Right. But yeah, I very much tie my social life with design. I don't know how many friends I have that aren't really into the creative industry, <laughs> which is kind of a bad thing. I, I feel there's, there's a little bit of bad, there's something bad about that mm-hmm. because I think it is good to have a, a diverse set of friend groups because, right. You know, I mean, I, I will say that's something that was good in Texas. I met, a lot of people that were like not necessarily industrial designers. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, those are the people that are going to give you the real, the real honest these those feedback the, about design. And those are the people that are buying your products and, yeah. use, and using your products. Exactly. You don't want to be designing to impress designers only. Right. Um, Cause that's a very small market. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, my transition, I, I came directly to New York. I had an internship at Quirky, which had, you know, there were a ton of cool designers there. And then I went to Lifetime Brands, which another big team of really cool industrial designers. So like, yeah, it was, I mean, it was almost, I would say that the transition and getting into that and like meeting new designers, it was seamless. It was, it was seamless and a lot of fun. Um, like, especially because in school, you're only really working around people at your same age and same level. Mm. When you get out into the working world and you're working with all, all ages of right. designer, it's, it's kind of fun. You can really grow a lot more from that. I think too. Absolutely. I think so. Um, but yeah, thanks for the question. Um, yeah. If you guys have questions again, send them into the podcast, uh, Gmail, minor details, podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out of the week. Shout out of the week. Uh, I, my roommate sent me this, this Instagram handle and I know you're not on Instagram anymore, James, which is so crazy to me, but, um, <laughs> I, I, uh, their handle is at Matt Chiama and that's M A T T C H I A M A. And I don't know if you guys have seen this or not. There is a lot of CG, CGI artists or like animators on Instagram who will, you know, they take very geometric shapes. Maybe it's a sphere or something. And then they have some sort of like hammer that comes down and smashes a sphere and it turns into like a cube or something. It's very like mm. concept art animation. Yeah. Or like something it likes. I would say they're very satisfying. Very because satisfying. Like things, things happen um perfectly perfect yeah every single time it's like slicing something perfectly to like to fall into two perfectly shaped holes yes well this guy i don't i don't know if we should spoil or not but this guy is doing something a little bit different and i think you guys will love it so go out go check out at matt chihama yeah who, who does this beautiful satisfying videos with a little twist yeah just wait until the end <laughs> it is quite delightful um and yeah I, I you know we urge you guys to give your input we're not the experts on all things design there's many other opinions out there so definitely you know send out your your uh, comments on our instagram uh posts or through the voicemail or whatever it is 
Mm-hmm. Um, our intro and outro music is by Kyoshi the Kid. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, we're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Go, go rate, go like and rate those things. Yes, like, subscribe. Do we need to do anything on YouTube? Like, do we need to comment on YouTube? Will that boost our views? Um, yeah, I, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's another great place for the conversation to happen. In the so, comments. So like, subscribe. Hey, and if you haven't already, tell your friends about us. That's a good one, too. Tell your friends. Um, and as always, I'm at Nick P. Baker. And I'm at I Draw and Receipts. Peace out, guys. Later. <laughs>